Bring it in. Bring it in. Bring it in. Bring it in for the Hootsard Huddle podcast presented by HootsardHuddle.com. It's the pot of open discussion and open dialogue. We talk about a handful of topics that fall under the blanket of sports, entertainment, politics, and business. These are my friends, my people, my fam. You are now inside the huddle. Bringing in Michael Hotard back for an episode of the Hotard Huddle podcast. It has been quite a while since I've done one of these fucking things because, you know, life happens sometimes. But for the next several weeks, I will be doing a series of podcasts that strictly revolve around the NFL, the best time of the year. And uh, if you listen to the draft episodes that we've done for the last two years. Well, I got some guests to join me, a couple of fellow NFL fans and uh, non-mouth-breathing NFL fans at that because, well, we don't like mouth-breathers. But that being said, welcome back to the show to my two good friends, Danny Hillman, Matt Labatou. Excited to have you two assholes back and uh, talk some NFL Unfortunately, we didn't get started with this until midway uh, through the week, right before week four. Uh, By the time this records, it's going to come out on Thursday morning, so we'll have that first week four game. But by this point, we've seen a little bit of the NFL, uh, but I want to just kind of open it up because I feel strongly about this, and I kind of want to get your take on this. Um, And it's the fact that Weeks, the first four weeks of the NFL season are strictly overreactions about everything. You know, one of the quotes I saw was from Trey Wingo a couple of years back, and it was talking about how the first four weeks of the NFL season are now just an extended preseason uh, because basically teams are sacrificing health. Um, for rust essentially let's work the rust out in the first couple of weeks of the season because you had 16 games to prepare now of course they've added the games um but you basically sacrifice the first quarter of the season and when it's all said and done the good teams by the end of the season are going to be good and the bad teams are going to be bad and the records in the beginning of the season don't necessarily hold the water you see a lot of teams that go 2-0, 3-0, you know, 2-1. and And they sort of just kind of fall flat. This happens every single year. Um, so I'm just going to kind of open the floor here. Um, whoever wants to start, go right ahead. But let's start with maybe a team who is a pretender um, in the first couple of weeks of the season that you could see just kind of falling from grace as the season progresses. Um, I guess for, for me, and I don't even know that they're a pretender. It's just really hard to kind of dethrone the king of their division. Um, but that's the Oakland – or, well, Las Vegas Raiders. Sorry. Still getting used to that. Oh. But I, I actually really enjoy watching them. You know, I've been a fan of, uh, you know, Derek Carr since he came in the, in the league. Um, it seems like that offense is clicking. Henry Ruggs finally – Seems comfortable, but again, it's the first three, you know, three, four weeks into the year. Uh, and of course you have Darren Waller. So the offense is is going to score points, but now it seems like their defense is finally coming together. 
And that's what it's going to take when you need to stop, you know, Patty Mahomes twice a year and all that fun stuff that's, uh, I guess, in with it. Um, so I guess those would be my pretenders for now. Um, and it's not at, at a fault of theirs. Well, I'll tell you this, you know, channeling uh, my inner John Gruden here. You know, I'll tell you what, man. We've been shitting on this man's picks for the past couple of years. He reaches in the first round, but I'll tell you what, him and Mike Mayock got a good thing going right now. And, you know, if you take the D out of draft, you get raft, and they're going to float to the top, man. Don't do that again. (laughs) But, uh, no, I'm a big John Gruden fan. I mean, how can you not love John Gruden? Seeing the Raiders sitting at 3-0 and is fucking dope. Um I know my boy Matt sitting right by us, um, also a fellow John Gruden fan. Um, so, you know, what's your what's your big take on the Raiders right now? I'm pretty surprised, I'd have to say, that at least they're undefeated. Uh, I certainly wouldn't have said, you know, I could imagine that happening. But, you know, maybe those head-scratching picks are kind of paying off you know, that you were uh, alluding to, the the ones we kind of thought maybe that won't work out. Uh, you know, maybe they are kind of starting to turn around or maybe you would think so. Although I'm still not in love with that feral pick. He's not even playing now, but that's for another discussion for another day. <laughs> but well, I feel like... on interesting. A- so the Raiders right now, I mean, you look at their, their schedule thus far. It's not like the Broncos who have just beaten the shit out of horrible teams. Um, that being... Three teams, uh, the Broncos have beaten a team or three teams whose combined record is 0-9. Um, whereas the Raiders, they got an overtime win week one against the Ravens, who, while banged up, still a damn good football team. They're well coached. John Harbaugh is fantastic. Um, Lamar Jackson, although still lacks playoff success, he's can limp you to the postseason. Um, but then they beat up on Pittsburgh, whose offense, obviously, Big Ben looks like a f- – I don't know what he looks like. I, I can't even say it's a shell of himself um, because what I'm seeing out of him, I don't recognize at all. Um, and then they beat Miami, who, again, had a quality season and another well-coached team. So Raiders have beaten some pretty good football teams, and – um, I like what Danny said about Derek Carr. For quite a few years now, I've when you sit back and you look at his body of work, now sure he doesn't have the meaningful wins, he doesn't have the winning seasons. Statistically speaking, though, he's a very formidable and very good quarterback. He's He hasn't jumped out on the stat sheet since that MVP season that was derailed by the injury in the tail end of the season in 2016. Um but he's starting to look back to that form, if you will. And I won't sit here and say he's my early pick for MVP, but he's looking damn good. I mean, he's leading the league in yards. And I'll tell you what, there I don't know that there's a quarterback in the NFL who throws a, a prettier touch pass on a long ball. Like, that ball just floats out of his hand and hangs up there and just drops in. Um, you, we saw it week one with the just drop back, chunk it off, off my back foot for the overtime win uh, to Brian Edwards. But uh, Raiders are looking good. I I really like um, what I'm seeing for the Raiders. And I I don't think they're a pretender. I actually like what's going on in Las Vegas. Um, 
my big pretender, I kind of alluded to it already right now, is the Broncos. Um, they've beaten three really bad teams. I just don't see that sticking, especially considering they play in the division with the Raiders, the Chargers, and the Chiefs. That division right now looks like it's going to be hellfire and brimstone for anyone in that division. I mean, when the Chiefs are sitting at one and two, holy shit. Yeah, I mean, and the and the thing with the Broncos is it, it kind of, I don't know, at least to me it felt like they were just kind of starting the season looking around like, hey, Teddy or Drew, Teddy or Drew, <laughs> Teddy or Drew. It was a heads or tails. Teddy got it like the week before the season. Um, and he's not playing that bad, you know, but the other thing about the Broncos, and it's been the last few years, they cannot stay healthy, especially with their playmakers. Now, last year, uh, Cortland Sutton goes down. This year, Judy's on IR. You know, he'll come back, but I believe they just put KJ Hamler on. You know, he's done for the year. Uh, when you're in that division, playing teams that are putting up points, like Mahomes, and then, you know, we saw the Chargers knock off Mahomes. You know, Justin Herbert's the real deal. Uh, you have to be firing on all cylinders. I don't think the Broncos can do it. And then, to me, they're still the Broncos' defense, but they're kind of the the old man on the block. You know, they know how to play. It's just can they do it as good as they once did. Um, you know, with Von Miller, I know, you know, you have Chubb there and everything. Um, but it just doesn't have – it doesn't seem to strike the same fear – in offenses like it did, you know, three, four years ago. Yeah, the defense is just sort of lost. Yeah, obviously, it's luster from what it was during those Super Bowl, uh, that Super Bowl run, which we were kind of talking about in a group chat recently about how good that defense was. But, yeah, it's – I mean, it's still a very good defense. Um, it's still a top-10 defense easily. Um, but when your offense is inept and consistent – it's hard to see what, how much it can withstand because at some point or another you have to score um, points, and I know that sounds probably like the biggest John Madden train of thought there, but um, you know, at the end of the day, it's an offense-driven league, and you know, it's uh, going into this. I mean, obviously, I I do the power rankings every week for for the blog, and. I was actually talking to someone about this recently because, you know, I think everyone kind of has a problem with the ESPN, CBS power rankings. It's reactionary. It's kind of just shock jockish. And um, I was kind of telling someone my premise for how I do preseason ranks normally. And the most important piece to any team in today's NFL is the quarterback. Who is your quarterback? who is leading your team when things go wrong, when injuries happen. And going back to the Broncos, I love Teddy Bridgewater. He's a former saint. I loved how I loved his presence in the locker room when he was in new Orleans. I loved watching him start when breeze was out that year. But at the end of the day, we know what Teddy Bridgewater can't do. And if you're looking at a banged up roster, he's not going to carry you to 10, 11 wins. It's just not in the cards for him. Um, and that doesn't mean he's not a formidable quarterback. He is, but need the right pieces around him. Yeah. And, and I also think, you know, with that, like you're saying with the right pieces, it's also very hard to game plan when your guys keep going down each week. Um, and it's the NFL, everyone's injured, you know, from the first minute into week one, 
you're playing injured the rest of the year. Uh, for me, though, like I said, you know, with that defense, I agree with you. They're still top 10 worthy. But to kind of speak tongue in cheek, I think this defense is going to have games where they might only give up 10 or 13 points and the Broncos still might lose by two scores. You know, and it's just um, it's going to be hard for them to find their their rhythm. That being said, I mean, they still have, you know, some young talent on the offensive side. Uh, it just seems like a team that's kind of lacking in identity on both sides of the ball, you know, and that's not the division to be in when you're kind of one foot in one foot out. Um, you know, if, and if you have too many B and C grade guys and no A, A, A pluses, it's going to make it very, very tough. Um, yeah. You're three and oh, you, you beat the teams, you know, two of the three teams had the number one and number two pick in the draft this past year. Uh, there's, there's a reason why they're picking at that spot. So with, with the Broncos, yeah, enjoy it while it lasts. I, I think they could be, you know, by week eight or nine struggling, you know, to be 500. I don't know. I haven't even looked at their schedule. It's just when you play teams like that, good momentum builders, but it's kind of like you just played Appalachian state and you have Alabama next week in college football. Like and I mean, vote. I guess turning to that point, you know, you have a coach um, in Jacksonville for the team that you love who said every week is Alabama. Yeah. And, and unfortunately that was when we, we played uh, the, the Texans, the Deshaunless Texans um, and still struggled. Like that's not a good sign. Um well, we know but that. It's the Jags. We'll, we don't need to yeah. say any more about the Jags because at the end of we'll, the day, we also don't want people to tune out of this. You know, we want them to listen. So They, they um, wouldn't tune out. Fall asleep. <laughs> so, so, Matt, let's hear from you. You know, uh, um, Danny mentioned the Raiders. I mentioned the Broncos. What's kind of your, I guess, overreaction on maybe a good team or a bad team either way? So, I'll actually – I'll go with the Bengals uh, sitting at two and one. Uh, the reason why is, you know, they'll, they'll score some points. Uh, I think Joe Burrow and that offense, they definitely have playmakers at receiver and uh, at running back with Joe Mixon. But how long is that line going to keep him upright and keep him healthy? That, that just frightens me. Uh, the defense doesn't really instill fear into anybody. I know they got a couple of pass rushers now, so that definitely helps. Uh, and I think that really showed when they played Pittsburgh this past weekend, uh, getting a huge win uh, in Pittsburgh, but, uh, you know, I, I just, I don't know if I'd trust them to go ahead and, and keep this going. I think they'll win games and, you know, maybe they, they end up finding out a way to be about 500, but I wouldn't necessarily take them seriously. You know, they're at the top of the division now in a three-way tie, but I don't see them as real, uh, contenders, you know, maybe next year, once they can get a little bit more protection for Burrow, but that line just scares me. They did do some upgrades, um, obviously not through the draft, but they did have a couple of free agent acquisitions they signed. I don't think it's as dire of an issue as it was obviously last year. Last year, Burrow was running for his freaking life, um, and that obviously led to the injury. I actually like the Bengals, too. I don't know where they withstand. They're kind of a big head scratcher for me. Um but I see them flirting with 500 this year, um, or at least close to it, depending on the rest of the conference, possibly sneaking in. Because um, remember, we do have the added playoff team this year. 
um, which is also going to make for an interesting uh, final run uh, down the stretch. Um, but, you know, one of the things that um, I uh, – one of the pl- – I, I guess pleasant surprises um, to me has been the Dallas Cowboys. They've had two primetime games. Um, and both of them were so much fun to watch. That being the week one opening matchup against Brady. Dak and Brady was a freaking fireworks show. Um, and then you just had them trounce the Eagles. Um, and I forgot who their week two matchup was. I caught bits and pieces. Um, but uh, Chargers, uh, I believe they beat the Chargers 2017, actually. Um, but. Dallas, um, or lost, I'm sorry, um, uh, lost 2017 to the Chargers, but Dallas is looking really good. Um, that offense, Dak looks good. Um, Zeke had a rough first week. He's coming around. Pollard's a good mix-up, and that receiving core for Dak is just stupid. Like, C.D. Lamb is worth every bit of that first-round pick. You still have Amari Cooper you have to focus on. Um, and then the defense has been the biggest surprise, I think, you know, for a team that has relied heavily on clock control, um, obviously having Zeke, it's masked a lot of those woes defensively, but now they have a defense that's sort of capitalizing Micah Parsons after the Marcus Lawrence injury, they were like, all right, cool rookie. Well, go play defensive end. He's got one and a half sacks and he's thriving there. He's getting to the quarterback and uh, it's a really weird quote. But um, Jerry Jones called him uh, mom's milk, basically, uh, which is kind of weird. But, um, you know, he is a hell of a hell of a piece and looking like he's worth every bit of that first round pick as well. Um, And then you have um, Trayvon Diggs, who's right now leading the league in interceptions with three. So got some really good young pieces there. Dallas is I'm interested to see if Dallas can actually keep it together for once, because if they can. That could be a dangerous team come playoff time. Yeah, um, I mean, I think it really needs to be this year. You know, um, Dallas fans have been saying that they're America's team since, like, what, 1998? And I think that was the last time they were really relevant. Um, You know, it is amazing, the weapons that they have. you know, I'm I'm a little surprised that you didn't uh, mention the offensive juggernaut that is Dalton Schultz. You know, but that's a, uh, I mean, that's just the Dallas Cowboys. The, they always seem to have formidable tight ends, um, which helps both the running and passing game. Um, you know, so definitely a, a pleasant surprise there. Um, you know, my my other surprise, I guess, as far as like competitiveness and, and being in it. Um, And I thought about putting them as a pretender, but there's just too much left to be desired is the three and O Carolina Panthers. You know, now they're, they're getting banged up. McCaffrey's gone for a few weeks, but they did just trade for CJ Henderson um, with JC Horn going down. Uh, They're a team that plays with a lot of energy. Dallas plays with a lot of energy. Um, You know, those seem to be the two teams that, you know, when you they, they kind of got overlooked in the offseason, you know, um, it's fun to see Dak come back from the injury. It's fun to see uh, Sam Darnold without Adam Gase. <laughs> you know, 
Adam Gase should never be allowed to coach again. If if my son grows up and plays Pop Warner football and Adam Gase is a coach, I am pulling him out. And I, I will tell him he can, you know, do what do literally anything else. Um, but it's it's cool to see Darnold with a little bit of confidence too. Um, those are probably the two teams. Also, when we talk about, you know, we talked about two teams in the AFC West. This is what I love about the NFL, and I want to say it before we move on. Who would have ever had down in their notes that going into week four, the Chiefs were one and two? Yeah. It, and, and that's what I love about the start of the NFL season is just everything that you planned on, throw it out the window. Um, because like you said, the first four weeks, it's it's a not a dress rehearsal, but it, it's really just kind of almost like an interview, you know, finding out who you are and, and who your playmakers are. Um, I think Dallas is going to be fine. I mean, they're in a they're in a division where all they have to do is keep the foot on the gas pedal. Um, the I'll Giants. Chase Young sucks. Yeah, well, we were going to get to that, but the Giants aren't going to get catch them. Um, you know, Washington has your your boy Chase Young, but Fitzmagic went down early, um, and we saw what they did to the Eagles. I mean, I I think the Eagles might be the only ones that can kind of test them in that division. Uh, but they got to figure some things out too. So I would say Dallas and, and Carolina for me, Carolina's really surprised me. I, yeah. I thought that they were maybe a seven and 10 team at best. So that's who I got. And uh, going back to Dallas, uh, one thing I want to point out with them is how great has Kellen Moore been as the offensive coordinator for Absolutely. that team, just a balanced attack, attacking from every angle, uh, using two running backs and, and making it work the way he's doing that. That offense has just been fantastic this year. Uh, it has a lot to do with Kellen Moore and then, you know, Dak Prescott coming back, thankfully not really having any issues with that ankle, uh, looking like he's moving around. He's comfortable in total command of that offense. Uh, so I think the Cowboys will definitely keep succeeding. I don't think they're going to fall apart despite Mike McCarthy, and it probably has a lot to do with those two guys on offense. <laughs> and then uh, you have Dan Quinn, who's completely turned that defense around. Like, how many guys were out on defense this past week? It was like seven guys, including, you know, Keanu Neal, who's a, a big-time playmaker. You lose uh, Demarcus Lawrence on the line, and I don't even have to say how great he is. I think Neville Gallimore is out on the line, who's a big guy. And they still completely swarm the uh, the Philadelphia Eagles and and kind of embarrass that offense on national television. So, you know, I I think they're for real. I think they're here to stay. They they probably win that division. You know, at the beginning of the year, I wouldn't have said running away, but it certainly looks like it could happen. Uh, thought Washington would have looked a little bit better than they have, but that defense, which is supposed to be a, a strong suit, just doesn't look the same. Uh, you know, some of yeah, the players just look sucks. like. <laughs> not he's not getting a ton of pressures or, or anything i don't even know if he has a sack yet this year he does not so it's, so it's it's just you know that whole division is just terrible uh joe judge has done nothing to turn the the giants around they are just a complete <laughs> dumpster fire like they can get nothing right you know daniel jones is it looks like he's the franchise guy one week and then the next week it's like why the hell is he even playing Dude, in a football did game oh my god did you all see the uh uh, the story of them doing Eli's uh, retirement shrine. Um, John Mara went up there to do Eli Manning's retirement, uh, retire number 10. 
and he got booed and supposedly Eli had to like quiet the freaking crowd down. Like that's when you know you're a dumpster fire. Like your crowd can't even enshrine the greatest quarterback in your franchise's history without your owner just getting completely shit on. Yeah. yeah one the, of, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. No, you're good, man. I was just going to say one of the worst records over the past decade in the NFL. And, the know, only not, team much, without, not much is changing. They, they haven't. They literally are the only team since 2016 who have at no point in the regular season had a winning record. The only oh, wow. one. What a it's, stat. <laughs> yeah, the, I feel like the only thing that uh, Joe Judge has going for him is he's not Ben McAdoo. Like, that's the only Bare, thing. That he's I, barely not Ben McAdoo. Like, that's the <laughs> only thing that Giants fans like about him. Um, you know, and, and look, maybe they turn it around. Maybe Saquon, you know, gets a little bit healthier, you know, coming back from that injury. Um, I actually think that they have, you know, some good young receivers. Uh, it's just they need to catch the ball. Galladay's just dropping everything. It seems like, um, but injury yeah. bug big time. Yeah, if if Dallas can stay even halfway healthy, and by that I mean protect their their big guys, protect Dak, protect Zeke. Um, you know, it just seems like you can pencil them in. Uh, but again, that's the great thing about the NFL. It's you know it could all come down to week eighteen, not not seventeen now. Yeah, uh, and you play to win the game. Hello. Um, you know, one of the big uh, – I really – I'm excited to talk about this one. So, naturally, taking the cake heading into week four is the Belichick – or, I'm sorry, the Brady returning to Foxborough storyline, the homecoming of Tom Brady, who – which – you know, someone texted me about this. Obviously, all the all the shit starting to circle and cycle around of, you know, how good is Belichick without Brady? His record's coming up. And I've always brought that up in the sake of conversation. But at the end of the day, I really hate and loathe the comparison of, oh, what would Brady be without Belichick? What would Belichick be without Brady? I've always hated it even while they were winning together, because at the end of the day, every single great team has had a common denominator and it's a great coach and a great quarterback, you know, throughout the history of the league, when you go back to Landry Staubach, Bradshaw, um, fuck, why is this hall of fame coach leaving my, my head right now? Said no. Yeah. Chuck. No. Yeah. Um, you know, you go throughout history, star. Um, Lombardi. Yeah. Why am I like, maybe I don't know what's going on with me right now. Um, losing all the coaches, but um, Walsh, Montana. I, I remembered that one. Um, so you just look at the history and all the great dynasties, all the great teams who had, you know, multiple Super Bowls and long term success. There's been a great coach and a great quarterback. Um, now, of course, you know, I alluded to earlier, I think the quarterback's more important than the coach um, when I would say 20 uh, years ago and prior to, it was kind of the opposite. The head coach was your most important piece. Um, but, you know, I, I just hate all of the 
hoopla around oh you know how good's belichick like that roster was a dumpster fire you saw tom brady looked like a shell of himself in that final season there and then he goes to tampa and and holy shit the floodgates open and now even more so um as he's on pace for arguably his best season to date and now there's of course talk of if he's going to play till he's 50 which he very well might because he's not slowing down (laughs) But you got that homecoming there, and I got news for you after losing to the Rams. Dude, I'm not surprised if the Bucks hang 50 on the Patriots this week. Like, I'm just not. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm excited to see the Brady Bowl. Um, just call it what it is. You know, it's all about uh, Brady and Belichick. Um, you know, you asked the question, where would Belichick be without Brady and Brady be without Belichick? Assuming that they both have their shot. The answer is they'd both be successful. And I hate saying that because I can't stand either one of them. You know that, um, you know, but it's just, it is true. You got to give credit where credit's due. Um, I do think it's a little easier for a quarterback to leave a coach. Um, You know, you would expect Belichick to struggle. Um, Brady went, you know, down to, to Tampa Bay and just, you know, everyone wants to play with him, you know, because they're a proven winner. You saw it not only last year, but look at this off season. I mean, what'd they do? Retain 23 of their top 23 guys. They retained every single starter and now they're signing Richard Sherman. You know, you have all these guys who might I add are taking discounts. You know, they are playing well below their market value because they know if Brady's your quarterback, you are going to be in the mix no matter what. And this is just completely unprecedented territory for the NFL. You don't see this because this is basically the NFL's version of what the NBA landscape looks like where people just kind of team up. But it's a much it's in a much different capacity. Like we, you know, I think we all remember the quote unquote dream team that uh the Eagles had. At one point, you know, where they were signing every single stud and it just didn't work at all. Well, it's working now. And the fact that they were able to retain every single piece and then add some is just insane. Yeah. And the other thing is, too, you know, with Tom and Tampa, uh, you mentioned coaching. You know, I, I agree with you. Quarterbacks probably are more important than the coaches, but it's a pretty sweet deal when you leave you know, Mr. Belichick, and then you go down and you have Bruce Arians, but Byron Leftwich is going to be a hell of a head coach in the league. He should already be a fucking head coach. Um, You know, he was the guy that I wanted to come back to Jacksonville and instead of, uh, you know, Oscar Meyer over there. Um, So (laughs) it's just, uh, it is what it is, but, you know, and then that defense is just suffocating, you know, Vita Vey's, finally healthy and you can see why they they drafted them um it's gonna be i think it's gonna be one-sided when they play but it's still gonna be fun as hell to watch what's your take on this matt i mean i know you're as big of a brady fan as i am man it's it's not gonna do you even think it's gonna be close because i i personally don't <laughs> dude i'm telling I, you like, i think this game is 50. going to be 50 something to probably to 17 something yeah. like that. Yeah, they'll get some points on the board. You know, I don't think they'll get shut out, but that Tampa Bay team front to back defense offense and especially with Tom Brady coming 
pissed off. You could just tell at the end of that game that he was just, you know, ready to get the hell out of there, move on to next week. And he is just, he's going to put a hurting on that team. So I'm excited to watch it. Can't wait. Can't wait to see him and Belichick react after the game and, and see what happens there. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm ready. Well, you know, I think it's only fair now that we've uh, talked about good old Tampa Bay. We got to keep it in the NFC South. Um, and of course, talk about the team that probably most of the people who take the time to listen, um, the team that they hold near and dear to their heart, the good old New Orleans Saints. What a weird year for them. Um, you know, we're Saints fans are officially in life after Drew Brees um, so far. So good, I guess. I mean, they're two and one. Um, they obviously trounced the Packers in week one, only for Aaron Rodgers to come back and say, yeah, um, I'm still here, you dick bags. And, uh, you know, he's kind of turned it around. Um, but they absolutely demolished the Packers and probably the biggest surprise of the season. I don't think anyone expected that. And, of course, um, the pictures of all the analyst picks resurfaced of, oh, Packers, 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 Packers. And, I mean, it's fair. I would have picked the Packers. Um, in fact, I'm pretty sure I picked the Packers to cover the spread in that game. And, uh, yeah, the Saints completely obliterated that. But uh, then they turned around the next week. Offense was non-existent. Did they even play offense? I don't know. Um, you know, got trounced by the Panthers and then, of course, went into Foxborough and beat the shit out of the Patriots. So I'm curious to see how the season's going to play out. Um <sighs> This Jekyll and Hyde game, I wish I could say it's going to get better, but I don't know that it will. Um, Jameis Winston right now, 63 attempts on the season, uh, and that's with 387 yards. He doesn't have 400 yards heading into week four. Um, and, you know, averaging a little more than 20 attempts per game right now. This is something that... Dude, I don't know that we have ever seen this kind of football in New Orleans, uh, at least under Sean Payton. Um, but the Saints do a lot of things well. They're very good at controlling the line of scrimmage um, on both sides of the ball, and that's ultimately going to give them a shot in most games. Um, but at some point or another, they're going to have to start throwing. Um, it's just interesting, though. I mean... I'm on the Jameis bandwagon. I want him to do really well just as a kind of a middle finger to everyone. Um, you know, and it's nice seeing the fact that the Saints have a quarterback who can actually throw downfield if given the opportunity. But I just don't know if it's a mixture of just not having the receivers um, as to why they're just kind of keeping it on the ground. But, I mean, as long as it keeps – them winning maybe eventually they get michael thomas back open things up a little bit and uh maybe that's when we see him sort of get unlocked if you will um but i just i don't know what to make of the saints it's kind of a head scratcher right now so as as far as the saints this year and their offense i i think what they probably plan to do in most games is just hold on to the ball and run the ball run the clock you know keep control of the clock because that offense, I don't know if they can win games that go into shootouts. You know, they're going to have to really rely on that defense. And thankfully, that defense has looked really good so far. So, you know, I trust the defense. Uh, 
but they're just, you know, that typical Saints game isn't going to be in that 30, 40 range. It's probably going to be in the 20s and maybe in the teens some weeks. Uh, you know, the offense runs through Alvin Kamara. He's fantastic. Uh, the receivers and the outside help just kind of isn't there. I mean, Callaway looks like he's probably going to be, you know, the next hit, uh, uncovered gem that the Saints have gotten at receiver. But, you know, he's young. He's inexperienced. Yeah, I don't expect too much from him. He still has to kind of grow with the offense, grow with the game. Uh, and they don't really have that established guy. Michael Thomas isn't there. Uh, he's still on the mend with the injury. So, you know, who does Jameis really have to throw to? And I think that's showing in the, you know, the game script and the game plan with Sean Payton. And, you know, if things kind of don't work and they fall behind, kind of like you see with Carolina, I don't know if they can catch up. Uh, it's, it's, it's a very different Saints team that we're used to seeing. Uh, it's definitely going to take some some adjustments and, and getting used to, at least from a fan perspective. So, this, like you put it, this is uh, a year. <laughs> so we'll, we'll we'll see how it goes. But I don't think they're going to be a bad team at all. But they're definitely going to be one that tries to control the clock, burn the clock out, and keep your explosive offense off the field as long as possible. If we were going back to the year 2005, this would be the best football team on the planet. Um, because you know, back in the early 2000s, you know, when we were growing up watching football, this was commonplace of what you saw teams just grind it out on the ground, control the clock, play defense. And, uh, your quarterback's only tossing it 20, 23 times a game. Um, so it's very uncharacteristic to see this kind of, I guess, makeup of game flow and game plan and kind of statistically speaking, what the saints are putting out there now. It's um, kind of crazy because, uh, you know, when you look at the three games thus far, I mean, like I kind of alluded to with the Jekyll and Hyde, um, you know, against Green Bay and against New England. And Matt, you pretty much said this. They control the clock. They control the line of scrimmage. I mean, um, you know, uh, they beat the Patriots and the Packers in time of possession by a fairly substantial margin. Um, but then they just got obliterated in time of possession against the Panthers. That offense couldn't stay on the field. Um, and bad things happen when your defense is on the field for 38 minutes. So um, it's, yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be quite the year. Um, I, and I mean, luckily two of the three games thus far were against, I think quality opponents, but once you get into the bulk of this schedule, I mean, what's it going to look like? You know, are we've already kind of talked about the Panthers, you know, do they fall out, fall off a little bit, but um, looking at the same schedule, I mean, you got the giants coming up, you got Washington, you got the Seahawks, and then you get into some divisional games. You got the bucks and Falcons. Um, but these three games here, uh, Giants, Washington, and Seahawks. Now, of course, the Seahawks has the potential to get into a shootout, but the Seahawks' defense is absolute ass water. Um, Washington has been able to pressure quarterbacks. I think they're third in the league um, in total pressures. Not thanks to Chase Young, though. He sucks. Um, but um, aside from that, there's nothing desirable about that defense and the way it looks right now. Um and, you know, extra protection, getting the ball out quick. You can kind of mask that pass rush. And I think Sean Payton probably can do that better than most coaches. Um, and then, of course, the Giants, who are just an absolute dumpster fire. So 
I'm really hoping what happens is these three games become sort of that, that vote of confidence to get Jameis to that next level and getting him ready to be able to throw the ball more in games. I mean, you're not going to have a very long playoff run if you're throwing less than 25 times in today's NFL. It's just not going to happen. Um, case in point, Tennessee Titans, you know, this the way the Saints look, it reminds me a lot of them um, in a much different capacity, obviously. But, you know, that's always been kind of the downfall in Tennessee. They're not a team that's built to play from behind. Right now, this team is not built to play from behind. So try to use these three games against shitty defenses to maybe see what you have. Yeah, um, but, I mean, going with the Saints, I mean, I guess it takes a guy that's not from New Orleans, not a Saints fan, to be excited about this team. Uh, I actually think they're in a better situation than maybe you guys do uh, for just a couple reasons. One, uh, Jameis, awesome. You know, I'm looking here, 62, 63 pass attempts on the year. Uh, my guy, Trevor Lawrence, did 51 in week one, you know. So, um, but the difference is Saints left with a win. Jags, not so much. But Couple things I'm I'm happy to see, Mike. I talked to you about it a, a couple weeks ago. I said, "Wow, it seems like Jameis has matured as far as a leader, uh, coming out of that Week One win, dominating the Packers." Uh, the first thing he says, you know, he's giving credit to the defense and saying, you know, anytime you hold Aaron Rodgers to so and so stats, and you know, throws five touchdowns for 150 yards, it's like us playing flag football on the weekends or something, you know. Um, but I like that. The the Panthers game, I'm not so quick to press the panic button on it. Um, you know, that was kind of a, a funky week, uh, you know, with the – I think it was like seven coaches, you know, no, out due to COVID. I believe one was their offensive line coach. The other guy that they were missing was Eric McCoy. Um, giving full credit to the local radio station here, I heard the stat. So if it's true, they get the credit. If it's not true, they get complete blame. Um, but when your team's starting center misses a week, that following week when they're playing with a backup center, they have an 80% miss rate. Um, now, wow. Mike, you're, now you're the stack. I need you to track that down for me. Um, but it seemed to, to hold true, you know. Um, and like I said, the Panthers do seem like a hot team right now. But – Looking at that, you know, I think that they're, you know, in, in pretty good shape. I think Sean Payton needs to let the offense work and not be so quick to try and be Sean Payton. And that's not meant as an insult. He just gets away from it. Um, but the other thing I'll, I'll give credit for is kudos to the Saints front office for basically just throwing together a defense with like a month left before the season because we were sitting there. You know, two weeks before the season, you're like, all right, who plays opposite of Lattimore? And they go out and get, you know, Bradley Roby or, or whoever, you know. Um, you know, they drafted the uh, linebacker out of Wisconsin there. Um, and then I think they also have Blair Warner. Um, you know, I still don't know how what's to be said with their um, – third round, first round pick that they took, you know, um, Jordan, whatever. Uh, I, I don't even know his name because the whole draft process, I 
didn't have him on any radar. Um, but he's long, which is what the Saints like on their D-line. They like long defensive linemen. Um, and then, like you said, when you have, you know, I use the joke Appalachian State. Yeah, this year's Appalachian State seems to be the New York football giants. Uh, they play them this week. Uh, it's This is when you get to be able to work on it. The other thing that I think is going to lead to their success, we can finally stop hearing about Taysom Hill being a starting quarterback. Love the guy. Love the, cap, love the way he plays. It's Jameis's team. Um, you know, and it's it's time to, to focus on that. I will say I am getting tired of seeing third and four Wildcat with Taysom. Let fucking Jameis run the goddamn offense. Um, you know, every time he lines up, I'm just like, dude, they know it's coming. And I know they – I believe they scored on one um, this past week. But, you know – you can only see the same shit so many times before you just start, you're beating a dead horse. You know, we saw this with Miami. They opened the floodgates for the wildcat offense that became sort of a staple. And then a year later, the NFL figured it out and it became non-existent and obsolete basically. Um, but yeah, let Taysom Hill line up as a tight end, let him line up as a receiver, use him in the same capacity when you had breeze at quarterback. Um, I, I think it was maybe two seasons ago. I mean, Taysom Hill had multiple uh, receiving touchdowns and he had a decent amount of rushing and receiving yards. Like line this motherfucker up everywhere. Like don't just limit him to wildcat use him. Um, but yeah, it's uh going to be interesting um and i hope once thomas comes back i hope that really um helps that offense i i'm so curious because some of the things that we've seen and then after i kind of make this we'll get into some fantasy talk but uh for now let's talk reality so one of the things we've kind of seen in the last few years um last year you had sort of this coming of age unlocking of Josh Allen while simultaneously unlocking Stefan Diggs. This year you're seeing the unlocking of Matt Stafford and the unlocking of Cooper cup. I'm curious to see what happens once Jameis and Michael Thomas get on a field together, because one of the things that pisses me off about all the criticism surrounding Michael Thomas, you know, obviously the slant boy comment and practice and all that. It's funny. It's hilarious that it got him worked up. And CJ, who is probably better at pissing people off than anybody, except maybe our good friend Ryan Moore. Um, you know, it got him punched in practice and everything. But, you know, there's this overwhelming narrative that Michael Thomas is only a slant receiver. I got news for you. His route tree in terms of catch percentages is better than everyone in the league, no matter the depth of target. You go back and look at Julio's best years. His catch percentage is better than Julio. He, his career, his career catch percentage is better than the single season mark set by Wes Welker back in like 2014. He's unreal. Um, so I'm curious to see what happens when the playbook opens up for someone like Mike Thomas. Um, but, um, you know, as far as uh, that goes, like I said, I just think 
having a quarterback who can actually complete a pass more than 10 yards downfield could potentially unlock him and in the same time unlock this offense like we've seen with other quarterbacks and receivers the last couple of years. Um, but moving on to fantasy football. So obviously one of the best parts of the NFL season, this is the reason I think, um, you know, a lot of, a lot of interesting things about the NFL and who's viewing it. It's got a wide base, meaning men and women. And it's because of fantasy football. Um, it keeps people engaged. It keeps people in the know. Um, there are NFL players. My wife knows who, if she wasn't playing fantasy football, she would have no fucking idea they exist. Um, but, you know, fantasy football obviously keeps people engaged. And, you know, I've unfortunately not made the playoffs in the league that I care most about, but once in the last five, maybe six years. So looking to change that. But uh, as far as fantasy goes this year, I would like to start off by saying, in the league that uh, we care about, um, you know, I'm very happy to say that I have the number one fantasy quarterback as of right now. And that is, of course, Thomas Edward fucking Brady. Um, and yes, I drafted him behind, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine nine quarterbacks and I got the number one fantasy quarterback. So, you know, I'll take that as a token of great draft strategy and he's going to bring me to the promised land this year, but uh, fantasy football is in full swing. It's fucking awesome. Um, what's so let's open this up. How are we doing in fantasy overall? Well, first off, kudos for you riding Tom Brady to a one and two record. Thus yeah. far. We're, we're uh, coming around. We're coming yeah. around. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I took my, my first L of the season, um, you know, this past week, two and one on the year in our big league. But, you know, you you hit the nail on the head when you said, you know, fantasy football. It's not just, you know, wives and stuff, but it makes a football fan out of anyone who may not like watching it, you know, on Sundays. Um, you know, I'm right there with you. You know, we have a fun little couples and family league that you and I are in. Um, Matt's also in that now. There we go. Um, my, uh, my wife is currently in a higher standing than me in the, in the standings. Um, you know, on draft night, I said, Hey, you know, this defense is here this late, like this would be a good move. She picked someone else just because she said, I don't need your help, you know, and, and ended up drafting very well. So, um, I love it. You know, I really love the league that, you know, we're in as far as with fantasy, there has to be some sort of trash talk. Absolutely. And that league, that league does it better than anyone I know. Um, you know, we have, you're a, welcome. A, yeah. We have a, a group me and all that. And we have our villain in the league who only talks smack when they win. If not, they're uh, he's, he's basically, you know, what's it called? Uh, Poxitani Phil or whatever, you know, Matt, help me out with, you know, you're the guy up there. Um, he's basically a groundhog. Like if he sees a win, he comes out. If not, it's six more weeks, you know, of losing, um, you know, and, and it goes from there. Uh, and it's also now fantasy gets fun because you've drafted your team and now you have to start moving your team around because the guys that you thought were sure things, some of them go down injured. Some of them aren't having the year 
that you thought they would. You know, we all thought Zeke was, you know, I think you have Zeke in our league, Mike. Um, week, week one, it's like, oh, great, here we go. And it's like, no, 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 he's going to be just fine. Well, um, like, it, it was funny because, you know, obviously I think he finished with like five five points that first week. And uh, Tony Pollard outperformed him in fantasy. And, of course, you know, I was getting the shit from everybody, especially uh, someone who I alluded to earlier, that being, you know, more. And I'm just like, yeah, dude, it's week one. Weird things fucking happen. Now Zeke's um, back in the top 10 fantasy points, just put up 23. And, uh, you know, the good thing is one of my strategies that I did this year because – Danny can vouch for this. I have been fucked, royally fucked by injuries the last five years. Um, it seems like every time I draft someone, they're gone, and I'm just like, son Saquon. of a bitch. Dude, Saquon, Odell a couple of years ago. Um, I forgot who else. Um, but and every year I'm losing and I'm- multiple of my first four or five picks. Exactly, yeah. It's, and it's this a- year, so so let's talk some strategies for a second here. Because one of the things I did this year, and I did this purposefully, and it was completely intentional, and it was with the utmost malice for everyone else in the league. I took all of the handcuffs earlier than I should have, probably two rounds earlier. And that being, of course, I grabbed Tony Pollard uh, as a backup for Zeke. But I also snagged. Uh, Alexander Madison, and I also grabbed Chubba Hubbard. And right now, I'm just looking at my running back pool, and I'm just, and that's on top of Joe Mixon, James Robinson that I have in my running back pool. And I'm just sitting there, and I'm like, fucking a. Because the other thing too is we have two flexes in this league, so I can actually utilize all of these backs in some capacity. So I'm sitting on a pool of running backs now. Of course, I sacrificed receivers. Um, because my two starting receivers is Julio, um, who's not done great. He had one good week. Um, but then I have Hollywood Brown, who has been a bit of a surprise. He's actually done really well until this past week where he let three touchdowns and about 150 yards slip through his fingertips. Um, but he's getting the opportunity. So I'm looking at this team, and I'm just thinking to myself, okay, I'm in good shape. And then I have Kyle Pitts, who – I'm just waiting for the chemistry to build with Matt Ryan. Hopefully it does. Matt Ryan's a piece of shit, but you know, I'm, I'm liking my squad. I'm liking my squad. Yeah. So uh, going to my teams, two and one in the, the big money leagues that matter. So can't really be mad. I will say in those money leagues, I also have Kyle Pitts and you would think that a tight end coach coming from an offense that like to use the tight end in Tennessee would use the tight end that you just spent a top 10 pick on. Makes no sense. He's running routes on like 90% of the snaps he's on, but they just don't want to get him the ball, which is insane to me because you have Calvin Ridley on one side. Sure, but can you name another receiver on the Atlanta Falcons? Russell Gage. Yeah, Russell and Olamide Zakitas. Is that another one? I can't even pronounce his name correctly. So that goes to show you. Exactly. It just, it makes no sense to me with the usage, uh, you know, tight ends already a hard enough position to hit on in fantasy. And then you have this crap happen when you're spending a fourth round pick. So 
that's probably my biggest disappointment thus far, uh, if we're being honest, is Kyle Pitts. It's just the usage is so frustrating when you have such a, a crazy talent that linebackers and corners both have trouble covering. You'd think he'd be a mismatch. And, you know, Matt Ryan, if he could even play close to his MVP year, which he looks like dog shit. So that doesn't necessarily help either. But uh, some other surprises in fantasy I'd go with this year so far. Uh, Kirk Cousins has been playing pretty damn well. I have to give him credit. Uh, Why does I, everyone get surprised by Kirk Cousins, though? Why? It's it's not that he hasn't been a great quarter a, quor, a great quarterback. I don't think he's been great. He's just been one of those guys that hangs around and has good games every now and then. But I thought he his consistency just never he could never string it together. He would have a great game and then look like crap the next week, then have another good game. It looks like he's finally starting to get more consistent. And maybe that has to do with, you know, their offensive line actually looks competent now. You know, they just paid Brian O'Neill a ton of money. He looks like a pretty damn good right tackle. And they have an offense just littered with talent. Even if Dalvin Cook goes down, you know, they have Madison, like you stole a little bit earlier in uh, your fantasy draft. And even Amir Abdul is not necessarily a, a pushover. He can go and give the offense a little juice. So they got playmakers everywhere. Uh, Derek Carr, you know, going back to those 3-0 Raiders we talked about, he's having a freaking phenomenal year with uh, not the greatest of wide receiver talent either. You know, he's got Darren Waller, who has a crazy amount of targets. It's insane, and he's just a phenomenal tight end talent. But, you know, Derek Carr has been doing a lot better than I, uh, you know, would have suspected. So this year's kind of been – you know, a little crazy. Jamar Chase dropping in, in drafts because he couldn't catch a ball. And now what is he at? Four touchdowns in three games. So we all look like fucking idiots. Yeah. There were so many times during the draft, too. I sat there and I'm like, Take should Jamar I get him? Take right. Jamar Chase. Take Jamar Chase. And then I'm like, no, he dropped everything in the preseason. Why would I take him? And then uh, and I'm just. And like, then that's why you should have taken him. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, that's really been a surprise. The fact he's playing with Burrow now, you know, it's. But that's been a surprise. Typically, rookie wide receivers do struggle. That's been kind of the the unwritten rule for a few years now. But he's having success. Jalen Waddle's having success. Devonta Smith isn't doing too bad in Philly. Like it's it's amazing how these guys are in fantasy football starting lineups week three, week four. You know, you know who's you know who's honestly been one of the biggest surprises to me. And I mean, obviously, he went kind of high in most drafts at least. By round two, he was already gone. Um, but DeAndre Swift, I mean, right now, he's sitting pretty. I mean, he's currently – now, this is based off of a half-point uh, PPR format, but he's sitting fourth. Um, and it's Just got to stay healthy, man. Funny, That's all. I, I have him in one league, but in that same league, I also have Christian McCaffrey, Jonathan Taylor, um, Saquon, um, yeah, like no one was what taking running backs. Is it a, six, a four-person league? It's an eight-team. <laughs> I will I will disclose it is an eight-team league, but nonetheless, I shouldn't have that kind of stable of backs um, because I also have Swift, Henderson, um, Mike Davis. Like everybody's taking receivers, and I'm just like, fuck it. I'm just going to take all the running backs, even though I can't use them, but potential trade bait. But because I've – have all the damn running backs. What's funny is I'm actually 0-3 in this league. Um, but I have all of the running backs, and every week I'm like, no, nah, I'm not going to start Swift this week. Like, it's hard to start him over Saquon. Obviously not starting him over Christian McCaffrey, and then Jonathan Taylor's just volume. So I'm like, no, nah, I'm not going to start him. And then every week I'm like, 
fuck. I Pops off. <laughs> <laughs> Lions are the best one half team in the league. Yeah. I mean, 100%. Bless their heart, man. They play, um, play hard, at least. You got to say that. They do. They do. I mean, everything that Campbell's doing up there, you can tell that they're buying in. You know, they drank the Kool Aid. Um, He's a leader. I, yeah. They're. It's it's funny when you look at teams like that that are catching losses and you look at a team like the Giants or like the Jets. Um, I feel like teams probably look at the Lions a little different on the on the schedule. But uh, the other thing I, I had to bring up, Mike, because this is in our league and it's going to follow us all year. We're not going to stop talking about this. Surface friend. <laughs> yes. Um, is in our – and don't spoil it, but in our fantasy football league, and, and a lot of them, there are free agent dollars that you can spend. In our league, there's 500 allotted free agent dollars, which have less value than Monopoly bucks. But, you know, what it is is you bid on someone on the waiver wire, and if you're the highest bidder, you get them. Just so, you know, people listening, if you don't know, now you know. Um, we had – a man who, if you want to name him, that's fine, but I'll, I'll keep him nameless. The first week, um, spend $450 on Elijah Mitchell. And that's 90% of that fantasy football budget um, on Elijah Mitchell. I'm not even sure I'm pronouncing his name right. I don't know if it's Eli, Elijah. What? I don't even know if it's anything close to that. But that's what I love about fantasy football too. It seems like there's always something like that. There's always a trade that you're like, well, I want you to clarify this too. I want to clarify this too. So the person in question, he will get name dropped because screw it. Most people listening to this. Well, some may know him, but good old associate, man. Good, yeah. good guy. Good guy. Nice in the world. Just doesn't know how to spend a fucking free agent budget, but <laughs> he drops drops 450 bucks on him then he spends like 25 on tim patrick he spent yeah. his entire free agent budget yeah. after week one dude no wonder the church has to ask for money because Soche's spending it in week one of free agency you know <laughs> like absolutely insane but that's what i love about fantasy football is that because it creates banter last year it was a trade i had with andrew blackwell in our league you know and you, I, how it's not collusion for the commissioner to put on the group me. Do not trade with Danny. He's going to absolutely take advantage of it. And it still happens. Dude, um, I still couldn't believe that. I'm like, I'm sitting there. I was like, no one, please, no one trade with Danny because he is going to fuck you in every direction as part of this trade. And sure as shit, a couple hours later, someone accepts. And I was just like, Oh, fuck you, Andrew. Like, what are you doing? And the league just completely went in on him. Was just like, are you fucking high? Like, why would you do that? I don't even remember the details of the trade. I just know it was bad. All you need to know is Devonta Freeman. Trader Danny. We'll leave it at that. Um, but, I mean, hey, we live in a different world than we did 30 seconds ago. You know, and, and it's not my fault that, you know, I'm a hell of a negotiator when it comes Pancake to this trade. motherfucker. <laughs> like yes. dude so someone just kind of discovered that's kind of funny um so as i mentioned my receivers suck um i've been starting hollywood brown who who is 12th right now um in our league 
far as uh, receivers go. Um, and then I've been Could starting be to also have Jacoby Myers. But this is probably the least expected wide receiver two, technically from a point standpoint, that I have. And he is currently ranked in this particular league um, as the 29th best fantasy receiver. He's someone I have always loved since college. And it's none other than Hunter fucking Renfro. Third and Renfro. I'm about to start him. Fuck Julio. I'm going to do it. You guys have the same hairline. I know. It's great. But, dude, it's it's the best, man. Like, oh, fantasy football just makes the NFL season that much better. Um, you know, one of my favorite stories. And let's, let's talk bad beats for a minute. We got a couple of minutes left before we wrap up. But bad beats. The worst thing I have ever seen in fantasy football. Do y'all remember the Eagles scoop and score in garbage time? Yeah. Yeah. So one of the guys in our league had, um, was playing against the Eagles defense. I believe he was up, um, seven. Well, a fumble recovery for a defense counts as two. Your touchdown counts as six. Literally time is expiring and the Eagles get a scoop and score. The dude ends up losing by one point because of that. And it was a garbage time play. Like, I don't remember if the Eagles were way ahead or way behind, but either way, no impact on the outcome whatsoever. And I just remember watching that and being like, holy shit, I'm never complaining about anything bad that happens to me in fantasy again. Because I'm pretty sure that play eliminated him from the playoffs too, if I'm not mistaken. I, I believe it. We had it's it's always something like that. Or I love the the close scores. I think we had a a game this week get decided by point uh, like seven five of a, of a point. Yeah, and it you was know, the heel of the league. It was the heel. Yeah, of course um, it was him winning. Yeah, you know, and and like I said, the only way I knew that is because group me the following morning he had mentioned. You know, he started talking again, so we saw. You know, you just assume that he won. Um, such a piece of shit that's just how it goes but mike you know listen you mentioned that you have running backs and you need a wide receiver uh we can do that on this podcast i can make it happen you know if you if you're looking for a wide receiver you just send me an offer big guy um (laughs) and and we'll get it done i do want to but before i um send an offer which i won't do um, I do want to talk about something I did do, and it was in the league that the three of us are in together. I beat the ever-loving shit out of you this week by a score of like 95 to, you know, 44. Yeah. Yeah. I had Dalvin Cook sitting on Great the bench. Great performance. I had Dalvin Cook injured, and I had uh, DeAndre Hopkins, who was questionable, who should have sat. He had three catches for 23 yards. Hey, remind us again, though. So you have Dalvin Cook. Who, who has Alexander Madison? I don't know, some ball dude in our league. Yeah. Um, but you should have drafted the handcuff, you but, dick bag. Well, I didn't expect you to take him like round three, you know, <laughs> three, but it was like six or seven. It, it was, yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, looking back, you know, I'm, I'm kind of looking down at it. Yeah, it was just a bad week all the way around. Um, TJ Hawkinson came back down to earth. And uh, Miles Sanders, I don't know if he even played 
against Dallas because that's how bad it Two was. Two rushes, man. Yeah, I if if fantasy football and golf scores counted the same, I would have been top of the leaderboard because lowest score wins. But uh, but also it's a standard format. Who even does that anymore, Otard? Like, I get that it's couples and family, but can we can we progress with the times? I mean, I think we even do. We, we have, have an decimal idea? scoring. We've progressed. <laughs> yeah, but but where are the PPRs? You know, like let's give me something, you know, that I can hold in the in the drafts in the trades. Because, like I said, right now I'm sitting here. Um, hang on, there you are. You beat me, I think. Yeah, I'm I'm sitting here tied for third with my my wife and Rain Martin. Um, you know, but I had to take the the L to you who's sitting at one and two again. Uh, seems yeah. to be your, you know, at least you're consistent. Across hey, the he's playing play. spoiler. Yeah. At least you're consistent. You know, I'm just um, feeling my team out ready, you know, taking the body blues right now. And then I'm coming with haymakers after week four. Don't fucking worry. I'll be yeah. there. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. With all the backup running backs. Dude. Yeah. They're getting hurt. They're getting fucking hurt, and I promise you. <laughs> Just, I I'll tell you what, there. if McCaffrey gets hurt one more time, do you slap the injury-prone tag on him? You have to, and and the thing is, is like I feel like his dad, Ed McCaffrey, never got hurt. Like I feel like that guy would get obliterated going across the middle for Luke the Broncos. probably doing cocaine before. Leg falling off. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just, you know, then you have – you know, Christian just sitting there and, and you feel bad because they are real injuries. I mean, you saw the hamstring pop. Well, they run know? the hell out of him, man. They yeah. give him so many touches. Yeah. And and even if he's not getting touches, it's routes and he runs, you know, everything hard. But it's just, you know, at what uh, I, I think if he gets it, you got to label it injury prone. Right. It sucks, but it is what it is, right? And obviously the Panthers knew this, too. I mean, drafted Chuba Hubbard. They signed Royce Freeman in the offseason. Um, I hope that what happens to Mike is a giant middle finger. Chuba struggles, and Royce Freeman is the one that goes because I got him off of waivers this week in our uh, 12-team league. Um, he can catch would, passes. And I would well, love nothing more well, than to just – According to my calculations, um, it looks like Hubbard's projected 11.2. Yeah, projected in reality, you know – DeAndre Hopkins was projected 14.6. He got me 3.9. Well, that's because you're just a fucking idiot. Well, that's hurtful. Well, I'm sorry, but, you know, I would give you time to come back, but we are running short on time here. Um, so, you know, we'll be back next week, though, for more fantasy banner and more shit with the NFL. Um, as always, I always enjoy podcasting with my boys, Danny Hillman, Matt Labatou. I'm Michael Hotard. Until next time, honor the huddle. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Hotard Huddle Podcast. Be sure to subscribe and follow the podcast on all major platforms such as Anchor, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. Don't miss any updates from HotardHuddle.com by going to the website and subscribing to our email list. You can also follow Hotard Huddle on Facebook and Instagram at Hotard Huddle. As always, honor the huddle.